writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the right pack. Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, David Allen Lucas, author of science fiction, mystery, God knows what else. <laughs> and with me today is my co-host... Kathleen Kayembe, writer of magic, mystery, mayhem, and malarkey. Malarkey. <laughs> I like wow. It. I like it. I like it. Fedora Amos, president of Greater St. Louis Sisters in Crime, and author of Victorian Whodunits, like Jack the Ripper in St. Louis. Um... I'm Melanie Kulaney. I'm writer of science fiction, fantasy, and uh, nonfiction. In real science. Yeah. <laughs> real science. Brad R. Cook. Uh, I am the author of a steampunk novel, Iron Horseman, coming out next month. Sweet. Yay. Yay. Uh, I also am co-publisher at Blank Slate Press and president of St. Louis Writers Guild. My name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm a fantasy author and illustrator. And I'm T.W. Finley. My book, Labyrinth of Time, is coming out in November as well. Yay! Yay. Is November a big month for books to come out? I think it is. This yeah. year, yes. Right? It's huge this year. Yeah. It's a big month for books in general because NaNoWriMo is November. That's right. Yes. That and the Christmas season starting, or the holiday season starting. That might out. be the strategic reason. Yeah. November. <laughs> that wasn't the reason mine, but I was totally happy about that. Worked out. However, today is not about why books are popular in November. Yeah. Though we could discuss that in Apparently topic. we covered it already, though. Yeah. <laughs> Today, it that is... That was the episode on Books in November. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in yeah. on November Books at <laughs> if, if I had control, I'd say I would have lost it, but I never had control in the first place, so no. How do books get to the publishing point in November, though? Yeah, actually, we're going to talk about a piece I'm of that. Really slow. Yes. <laughs> we're going to talk about... It's That's the wind-up and the pitch going across the plate. Home run! We are going to talk about pitching. Pitching to magazines for short stories. Pitching to publishers. Books, magazines, novellas. Published. Pitching to agents. The same things. And the scariness of such. And with that, why bother pitching? I mean, there is a whole revamped industry called self-publishing. Why not just go down that road? Why, why do I want to pitch? And it's, do you ever pitch your own self-published novels? A question. First, would someone please define pitching for any listener out there that doesn't know what it is? And whether queries count. Whether and queries, queries are count. a pitch. Query, so. Queries are their own topic. Queries yeah. are I think a letter. Too. Okay, we we're need talking to... just about doing it in person, correct? Yes. In person or, okay. like, we're going to include, like, Twitter pitches and, and stuff <laughs> okay. like that. Well, Which I have actually, no idea what that is. back up here. Actually, back it up. My goal on this talk was to talk about the query as well as the pitch. Okay, well, we can talk about part of that because yeah. they're very similar. You right. should use your query in your pitch. That's okay, why. could and you? Because, <laughs> because magazines, you don't usually pitch face-to-face. You can, but it's much, much, much more rare. I don't know anything about pitching to magazines. What do Maybe? you do when you go to pitch to magazines? Before he explains that, would someone please define pitching? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. So it's basically how you present your book. To, to somebody, to an agent, to a, a publisher. And usually you're trying to get it as succinctly as possible. Often you only have, e- either you're in the elevator trying to pitch your book to somebody or you're trying to describe it 
uh, in a setting where you might only have five minutes, so it becomes difficult. Yes. So it's like the elevator pitch for job seeking, but for your story. Correct. Correct. And you never want to do it in the bathroom. Usually, <laughs> that Asian or publisher is busy with other. Yes, we should definitely talk things. about the etiquette of where to pitch, yes, when so, to pitch, and how to how to start, how to get going. Okay, well, on this first, whole well we'll start with the don'ts. Uh, please don't go up to them when they're checking in at the hotel. Don't go up to them when they're trying to go to the bathroom or trying to stuff food in their mouth or mm-hmm. anything like that. Seek them out when they're expecting it, when they're sitting at the bar, buy them a drink, when they're. In their actual pitching session, maybe at lunch when they're not stuffing their face, like before the food comes. I might make a point that, you know, introduce yourself as an author, say hello and thank you for coming, and if they ask you, tell me about your book, then you pitch. That's a really good point. Yes. Yes. Amen. Don't say, hey, the salad's really good today, want to hear about my book? Those are the don'ts, let's go to the do's. 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 The do's. Number one, keep your pitch short. Even if, as I think Kathleen said a moment ago, you, you have a five-minute pitch, or five-minute pitch session. Or, okay, no, sorry, TW. That. I, I wasn't sure which one. They came from that direction on the table. We're like, sitting next to each other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, you want time for that agent or publisher to um, be able to ask you questions. Keep it short. Well, even before that point, uh-huh. I think that you have to do your homework before you get there. Amen. You are going to know the name of of the editor or agent that you are pitching to, find out about them. Find out what they're looking for. Find out their standards, and you can do that pretty easily from their websites in most cases. And if you're so in, do your research. And if you're in a, a conference situation, their bio is probably written directly there in your pamphlet board. Exactly. Couldn't be easier. Which is right. We're going to go with the face-to-face pitching. Where can this be done? Well, you might get lucky if you hit the streets of New York running into them. <laughs> most likely it's going to be done. That's some probably kind of a bad conference. time to pitch, too. Yeah, I would totally agree. Go to a Don't writer's conference. Don't run on the street. Writer's conference. Yeah, writer's so conference. writer's conferences are wonderful things. There are all kinds of writer's conferences. From the regional conferences, like Missouri Writers Guild, uh, they put one on every year. They invite agents and editors and people like that. Uh, but there's a plethora of others. Uh, some of my favorites are like Writer's Digest, because they have the Pitch Fest. Um, for those of you who don't know, Pitch Fest is quite famous. Uh, they take literally a ton of agents, shove them in a room, and then put a ton of writers in that room. And you have literally just a couple of minutes to get your point across, and then you move on to the next agent. Um, you're probably only going to get to a few. Uh, when I did it, I actually only got to six out of the 55 that were there. <laughs> uh, and there were about 700 authors in the room. So it was crazy. But it was a lot of fun, and it taught me a lot about pitching. It really taught me to refine that down to the perfect little just couple of sentences that sell not only the book, but the fact that you know what you're doing and the fact that you're professional about it. Uh, yeah, that's the fun stuff. But there are other places to go as well. Any of the national conferences, the big guys, uh, they'll all have agents at them. Uh, and then, you know, okay, there are other okay. ways. I'm going to put a plug out there for PNWA. Yeah, another Northwest. Squires Association Conference, also a huge number of, uh, of agents and editors. SCBWI, RT, RWA. And where can you go for a lot of these? Uh, if you Shaw want Shaw Guides. Guides, yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. Shaw Guides lists all kinds of conferences online. Yeah, um, 
volunteering to be the novice questioner in this, yeah. I'm going to just tell you I'm going to ask a lot of questions that I think I know the answer to, but I might be surprised. <laughs> I might not. It's okay. Okay. Oh, you might not be surprised. Okay. No, I'm but, not um, the answers. Okay. Okay. So. so anyway, my first one of those questions is, okay, I'm going to a conference. There's a bunch of agents. And like you said, I don't have time to co- talk to them all. How do I choose which of the 50 agents I want to talk to? Number one, do what Fedora told you. Do your research. Yes. Spend some time. Spend some time studying who's going to be there. Um, it, the websites for these conferences usually have the bios up. They'll tell you what you want. Um, some conferences, like Missouri Writers Guild, will, will do a interview with the possible agent that you are looking at, and you can learn a lot from that information. On a lot of the conferences I've been to, you actually have to select beforehand. You know, so yes. you go through that process that uh, David was just talking about. You do the research and figure out what you have that matches what they want. So that's and, what you would recommend. You would yes. look for what they want specifically and try and match them. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is go in and try to pitch to somebody who doesn't even want what you have available. It's, it's a waste of everyone's time. It is, and they get angry. And in situations <laughs> like this, pitch mad sort of situation. You know, thing. Sometimes the person you pitch to is the one who has the shortest line. Yes. Because people are stacking up, and you can just pitch uh, to anyone pitch you to, can. It, it's the same thing, though. You, it, pitching to anyone you can is not necessarily a waste of a pitch because I never believe in that. Mm-hmm. Practice pitching is always a wonderful thing because the next time you pitch, you'll be better at it. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, if you can you get, get some on. feedback. Yeah, exactly. From the person that you pitched to. That's rare, but yeah, I, I, ter- I try and give some out. Real quick before you move on, because I'm going to let you go with it. <laughs> Brad talked about <clears throat> talked about practice pitching. If you're at a writers conference, you're surrounded by writers. Who do you think you can pitch practice pitch to on a constant oh, yeah. basis? Because a lot of people always walk up to you, and go, "So what are you working on? What's your story?" Use use it. That's where you can get some good feedback. Brad, go ahead. Yeah. So you know, I don't remember what I was talking about. Oops. <laughs> I'm evil that nah, but Yeah. So pitching is, you know, I, I don't pitch know. to shortest line, not wasting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the point is, is that pick the people you want to pitch to. There's a reason you're pitching to them, and the reason is, is that you want to be a face with a book. When you query somebody, when you query an agent, when you query a publisher or anything like that, it's impersonal. It's it's a piece of paper that goes with a book. It's names and, and everything else. But face to face. That's different. You can get interactions with the agent. You can talk to them about it. They're going to ask you questions about it, and that's the best thing. You're now engaged with them talking about your book. You couldn't do anything better. And you know that they're hearing about your book, not their assistant reading about your book. (laughs) Yeah, because when you send a query letter, which is like a written pitch, when you send a query letter in, you are uh, at the mercy of whoever is in the slush pile looking through, which might be a 15-year-old intern. Yeah. You have no idea. I have no idea where these 15-year-olds find the internships, because it's hard enough for college students to find them, you know? Well, most of the time, they're relatives. (laughs) Yeah. It can be any number of things. You know, they can be college kids. It doesn't matter. But, you know, to get past the interns, to get past the assistants, to get past, you know, any kind of other people... Query like pitching can be a wonderful way of doing that because you're you're right there you're with the agent the agent's right there in front of you and to be honest you should also be assessing that agent or that publisher is this somebody I want to work with is this somebody I want to be dealing with you know so ask them some questions or see what they're like you know try and gauge their personality and things like that because to be honest in this business an agent or a publisher these are your new best friends so you want to make certain that you guys get along. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have a 
question about research. Fedora, you had mentioned do your research on the agents and the publishers and whoever you're pitching to. What about the research for perfecting the pitch itself? How do you go about doing that? Where do you look for sources? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the place that you have to start, your first line is going to be your high concept, what they call in Hollywood, taking two different motion pictures or books or famous this, that, or the other and sticking them together. It's My book is Mary Poppins Meets Doc Savage. For <laughs> right? okay, I want it. Go. Can I <laughs> High concept, and if you can't think of a high concept, I say go with heat, passion, whatever is the thing that says to you, I love this book, and you're going to love it too. That's what you start with. That's the very first thing you do. Well, that explains what should be in your pitch, but where do you find the information, the outlines, I mean, websites? Oh, what else should be in it? Well, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, well, real quick here, I'll throw it out. Um, I actually, Dave and I have mentioned the uh, writer's lens, Teresa's a big part of that as well. Um, so on there, you will find uh, the mechanics of the perfect pitch, which outlines a bunch of different ways, uh, you know, tips and everything else on how to get your pitch honed and perfected. I would also suggest that if you're anywhere near the St. Louis area, you check us out in March, because uh, St. Louis Writers Guild for the last couple of years has run the mechanics of the perfect pitch, or uh, sit down and pitch, um, as a workshop to get ready for the Missouri Writers Guild Conference. And if you're members of the Writers Guild, that workshop is free. It costs $5 if you're not a member. Thank you. Um, one thing you want to do with your pitch is to write it down, keeping in mind exactly what Fedora said. You, you want high concept to go off first. You want to talk about what your genre is, so forth. Keep it short. Write it out. Then you edit it, Cutting it down even more, and cut down even more, and cut it down even more. All right. Now, the other big thing I'm going to throw you is the, the people who taught me. So, um, I highly recommend three people. Uh, first off is Chuck Sambuccino. He's uh, part of Writer's Digest. And he actually has a much better version of the perfect pitch than I have. So, go check his out as well. And then Jane Freeman also has uh, some good stuff out there that she's written about it. Um, and I highly recommend checking out New Leaf Literary's uh, Tumblr blog. They often talk about pitching and all that kind of fun stuff, um, and they've got some really great blog posts out there about it. Not to mention they do a great Q&A every so often where they answer uh, asks from their inbox. Exactly. Perfect. Got a question for everybody now. Is pitching only able to be done face-to-face? Now, we did talk about query letter, of course. That's not face-to-face. That's something you've sent nowadays by email and you've done it in such a way that they're not going to have to click on something to open it up because all these agents are very afraid of viruses yeah no attachments unless they no attachments unless they ask for it that's a hint to everybody put it in the body what are some other ways of pitching Uh, well we will I'll pass this off to Jen in a second but Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring it up Um, so Twitter is the newest place to pitch Mm -hmm. and don't just jump on Twitter and start pitching. That's not the way no, it works. No, That would be hor- horrifically scary and kind of funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, there is this wonderful uh, thing that kind of happens on Twitter every so often. Um, it goes by different names, but I think now it's, uh, is it Pitch Madness? Or? I think it's Pitch Mad. It's, they pitch mad they is, shorten is the it so it's thing. a good, you know, it's yeah, a it's decent a nice hashtag. hashtag. Pitch Mad is, is the hashtag. But basically there's a blog that's run um, by, I think it's Brenda 
Blake or I wish I could tell you. I, I think that's it. But We'd anyway, have to Google it. Uh, she's got this blog. It's an amazing thing. And basically, what happens is is that there's a couple of different ways. Um, there's a whole process you can go through where people help mentor you, and you can get into an earlier thing where your pitches are only being seen by certain agents and stuff like that. But then they open it up on one day, and everybody just goes crazy on Tumblr or on uh, Twitter. <laughs> And all the agents kind of check in, and they will favorite your tweet if they like it, or they will retweet you, or just tell you, "Hey, if I favorited, send me, you know, the next five pages or something like that." And you craft the perfect pitch in 140 characters, hmm. um, and you have to put pitmat on it. Uh, so you're you're getting even so less. So it's really about 120 characters. Yeah, <laughs> it's less than that. But anyway, the point is, is to streamline it into literally that perfect little one sentence that you can say. That makes it, you know, put it out there and, and people will get excited about it. And then other writers will retweet the ones they like and try and get them, keep them up there. Uh, and, and don't do it every five minutes, you know, maybe do it once an hour, twice an hour or something like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, check out your favorites. But look, it happens every couple of months at least on Twitter. Uh, and it's been super successful actually. So some agents have actually, people have gotten deals this way. Yeah. Uh, I'll just say that I am terrible at Twitter <laughs> pitching. <laughs> Absolutely awful. Uh, I've never had any returns from it. I've seen other people get favorites, which is very nice. Yes. It's very frightening, but it gives you also a good idea of what everyone else is writing. So you know yes. if you, you who you're trends. up against, really. Yeah, you'll if start spotting trends, too. If it's you're fun. writing a, a paranormal romance about mummies... Which I'm still waiting for the sexy mummy book, let me just tell you. Uh, if you're writing a paranormal romance about mummies, and you look, and it's, it's pit mad time, and you follow the hashtag, and you notice that everyone's writing about sexy mummies, maybe you should put your mummy book away for a little while. Or spontaneously turn him into a were-tortoise. No. <laughs> I have news for you, Jen. You're, you're technically your erotic... Not completely erotic. I movie. was not looking you're for pa- erotica, thank <laughs> you. You're paranormal mummy. I don't want to know what it's like paranormal- when you take, no, I don't I take their bandages paranormal off. Paranormal okay? the was written by Anne blood. Rice, known as Ramsey's the Damned, which oh. is my favorite book by her, by, by the way. But anyway. Well, it's time for it to come back. Time for it to come back. Okay. God. So, okay, but what bandages? about the were tortoise? Were tortoise forever. Actually, there is, is um, there is an episode of Grimm that involves someone who's kind of a were tortoise. It's really, really okay, good. Okay, back to pitching. Okay, back back to pitching. Now. And now we got pitchforks. Go ahead. Pitchforks. pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> I end all this madness by giving you a couple of pretty darn good first lines. Okay. These weren't written by me, but by Shirley <laughs> Kennett, who has published any number of books as uh, Dakota something or other. <laughs> <laughs> She's prepared uh, except for the name. Dakota Banks. Dakota Banks. There we go. Oh, and I also love her. As Shirley, I love her as Shirley Kennett. Story. So she has yeah. a lot of books out. Well, this is one that she wrote that I think is pretty darn good. A woman posts an innocent family video online, but the next time she views it, it's been turned into a snuff film showing each member of her family horribly slain. Really? Then it starts to happen in real life. Ooh. Uh, my face is contorted in like <laughs> horror. And I'm over here. supposed to be. Yeah. I'm unfortunately good. over here playing Semantics Girl. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> it's not a snuff film unless it's actual murder. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. Well, it's a horror. It hasn't been turned a into a film. snuff film until they actually die. Then it's a snuff film. Well, it no, will become a snuff it. film actually after they She they're sees dead. it and then it happens. Yeah. She sees the film then it happens. Like a preview cool. yeah. to the horror movie that eventually it's a horror movie. Anything can happen. I'm so movie. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I like that you brought up semantics. <laughs> I looked you in the eye. Do you have any more? Yes, you did. Oh, see, I have a couple more. Yes, go for it. Uh, let me see. What does she say? The stakes are high when a man discovers that a secret organization plans a series of disasters to set the stage for the end of things this very year. Sounds like a book that came out in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or 2000. <laughs> but I like the first one better. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I the first so one too. and maybe to that one. Yeah. Well, but the first oh, one well, gives you all sorts of pictures, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The but, second one is much more generic. Read another one. A forensics expert has just hours to unlock the secrets of a decade-old murder and untangle greed, incest, and evil okay. to save the life of the woman he loves. Okay. Brad's interested in that one too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got good bells and yeah. whistles. You're always looking for. A, I should say, on the other end, as as an agent or a publisher, what they're looking for is generally, you know, that that special little something in a in a pitch or query. So try and put those kinds of things in there. What uh, kind of special things are you talking about? Well, you know, having not just saying that he was a forensics artist who was trying to find stuff out. You know, listing the way the the different things that come up. You know, that, that's intriguing. It, it sets off sort of a... It creates imagery in my head as to what's the possibilities of this book. Do you think there are any magic words along those lines? That, I don't, that, actually. Do um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I haven't done... I haven't, you know, I've received a, a fair amount of pitching now. Um, but not tons and tons. But to be honest, almost anything, it, it's... Uh, and that's why I don't say there's a set list. I can't give you, like, oh, these are the 12 words you have to put in a pitch. But it's, it's those buzzwords. It's the words that we all want to hear. It's things that... Tell me how it's exciting rather than just that it's exciting. Telling me a book's exciting is nice. Telling me how it's exciting is awesome. So don't tell. Oh, yes. I was going to say the specificity in the first one was what really got Mm -hmm. me. Yes, exactly. They didn't didn't have to mention stakes. You now know the entire story from that one line. Exactly. You don't even need to read the whole book now. I mean, technically, the rest, you're going to read it because it's awesome. Oh, yeah. But what you don't know is how it's going to be fixed. Exactly. That's... Well, and, and you don't know who you the mer- it? Who, who's, who's behind this. Yeah. You don't know well, anything about that. questions get stirred up. It's oh, it's so there's so yeah. much possibility out there. And Fedora, you might be able to answer my question by just reading that reading that one one more time. The, I, the snuff gonna, film one. Yeah, the snuff film. <laughs> one. And I'll tell I'll, I'll tell the audience as well as right. everybody sitting here what that question is after she reads it. A woman posts an innocent family video online, but the next time she views it. It's been turned into a snuff film showing each member of her family horribly slain. Then it starts to happen in real life. Okay, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm not really hearing anything passive in that entire sentence, or that entire pitch. No. I think that's also, yeah, let's say that is one of the keys to the pitch, is keep it active. Oh, yeah. No, no, no by zombies. Zombies didn't do anything in that. Well, would you explain that for someone that didn't listen to last week's episode? uh, A way to guard yourself against the passive voice. If you can stick the, the, you know, the words by zombies at the end and the sentence still makes sense, your verb's in the wrong place. And you need to rearrange it to make it a more active sense. Yeah, and I just spent the last week editing. Mm -hmm. This was a scientific paper, but I spent the last week editing. And I've noticed that most of the time, 
putting in an active voice makes the sentence shorter. Mm-hmm. Also, yes, it <laughs> yeah, it's uh, helpful for pitching too. For yeah. Going for, yeah, you got to keep it short and sweet. Go, another reason for keeping this short and sweet. Let me let me just put the reality out there. Brad talked about it at the Writers Digest pitch session he went to. Um, if you go to a pitch session, unless you're very first person pitching to them, they've already heard a couple of pitches. Their eyes are glazed over worse than a glazed donut. You need to break through that glaze and get memorable for them to want your story. And by that, I don't mean don't be somebody who drops off a bottle of tequila in front of them, <laughs> thinking that they're going to remember you because you gave them a bottle of tequila or, or a bag of nuts or anything else. Unless your story is about uh, tequila or, or a nuts. bag of nuts. Yeah. And then also, like giving too, them stuff is a bad idea, too. Right. If you can wake them up, and I mean that seriously, I mean, come on. You sit across. How many of you have ever sat in a college classroom of 300-some-odd people and the professor is droning? That can happen in a classroom of 30, by the way. It can happen in a classroom of 30. I know. I know. I'm trying to do the big numbers because that's what it feels like. <laughs> that feeling is the reason I never want to go back to school. I can still yeah. feel it in the back of my head, that tingle, when everything inside of you wants to be asleep, but you can't be. Yes. <laughs> You're just sitting there thinking of anything else to keep you awake until the hour's over. But that's, And that's basically what these guys are going through, these agents and editors, publishers, are going through. As they're sitting there, especially at a big conference, and a big conference can be the regionals, and it can be the much larger ones, where they are stuck for literally almost eight to ten hours of listening to people pitch. And each person about five minutes, give or take. So what I'm hearing, then, is don't be boring. Don't be boring. And that should apply to your query letter as well. Don't be boring. But don't be outrageous. Yes, amen. Yeah. Don't be jumping up and down, flashing your arms, going, wake up! Yeah! Don't be yeah, waking up. jumping Here's on my Oprah's book. couch. No, that would be scary. Don't jump on Oprah's couch. Yeah. No. Waking, up yeah. Is, waking them up is not sitting across from them and going, boo! No. <laughs> waking me up is, is telling me something really awesome that I want to publish. And really do go back and do your research on it before you sit down with them. Uh, another note on live pitching. Uh, it's terrifying. It will be terrifying to go into a live pitch session. Yes. But uh, having done a couple myself, once you get over the nerves that this person has your future in their hands, I actually found them a lot of fun because you have to remember that agents and publishers and editors are human beings. We're people, too. And you want to sit down and you're going to have a conversation and they're going to listen to you talk about your book. What's more fun than that? Talking about your book for a couple minutes. And these are book people. They love talking so about books. So be relaxed. Be human. Because they're going to remember the humans fondly. Don't be a weird person who's reading from a script that you keep in your lap because they aren't going to remember the person who stares at their own crotch the whole time. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to get the so Not fondly, anyway. <laughs> the exact quote with a literary agent I was listening to said something along the lines of you know this is a business relationship so be a person that you the agent wants to do business with exactly <laughs> yeah and I was also going to say too something to realize about the when you pitch don't put your book in front of, you may put a sample but don't put your entire book in front of them in front of them and say here's my book and this is what it's about and most assertively don't expect them to take your book or CD of your book. Bring it. Yeah, if exactly. They, you mail it if they want you to, or email it, or whatever. Right. But they've got 
luggage, they don't want to take a ton of stuff home with yeah, them on the plane. Yeah, they, they might be taking home a ton of books anyway, and they right. bought. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it's wise, uh, you know, you can bring it with you if you want to, but to keep it handy in case they want to see a sample and of your books. Right. Yeah, so, bring your first chapter Yeah, bring your like first that. chapter, bring your, if they're doing uh, the St. Louis, the Missouri Writers Guilds has a uh, slush pile reading, so if you have a copy of what you submitted to the slush pile, the first, you know, four pages or whatever, that's a good idea just to bring with them in just case that's going to help. Just don't out unless they ask for it. Like, yeah. And you just, often, if they're interested in even. your pitch, they'll ask, and do you have a sample? And you say, well, yeah. as a matter of fact, I do. Here you go. That happened to me once in a pitch. It was really nice to, to be able to be like, yeah. I'm so glad you're interested. Have a look. And, of course, the agent handed it right back to me when they were mm-hmm. done because they just wanted to taste. They didn't want, you know, to take it along. So what do you say when someone says, I'm a writer? I write things. I write queries. I don't pitch verbally. How do you bridge that gap between well, you I express myself their best writing? And you tell them that they're going to have to get over it. <laughs> so how do you get over it? Well, I'm not sure practice. you do have to get That's over it. That's a wonderful really. question. Mm-hmm. Practice, 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 practice. How? Tell everybody. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. Dogs are wonderful. Cats, too. The cats, not always. Talk to no. the mirror. Um, okay. Talk to the mirror. A mirror is a good one, too. But practice your pitch. It's only, you know, a couple of minutes long. So you, if you can, memorize it. Videotape yourself. You know, I'm being, I'm being uh, sarcastic. That can be scary, but yeah. Well, if just you for you. To, <laughs> I'm going to be sarcastic for a second. And I'm going to tell the audience that because I don't want you guys thinking I'm actually saying this question meaning it. I'm offended. You mean somebody's not going to steal my story if I pitch it? No. To them as a writer, to another writer? That'd be really hard. <laughs> um, because no psychic. two people write the same book. So even if they, you know... <laughs> I, I, as I always like saying, I can go out and write sparkly vampires too, and it's going to be completely different. But I'm not going to. Thank you. If, um, if, if I wrote sparkly vampires, it's because their skeleton is silver and their eyes are made of emerald. <laughs> I want you to write that. <laughs> this seems very similar to the, I've got this great idea. You write the book, and we will split oh God. it. Oh, Split it 50-50. Is another writer going to steal my story, my pitch? Well... 50-50 split, you got the idea. And, and here's the other thing on that. Good luck, because by the mm-hmm. time you write it and then get to the point where you can pitch it, um, that's their book's already been running around the entire you know thing, so everyone already knows about it. Right. But stealing ideas is a bad idea because you've stolen the idea. The idea was already had by someone else. The yeah, and they're the finished problem. with that idea, mm-hmm. and you're just starting out with that idea. So you're already mm-hmm. behind. I don't want to discourage anyone who is completely unable to speak to other people either. Right. I've done a number of pitches. None of them did me any good whatsoever, other than the fact that it helped me to refine some of the things that needed refining for mm-hmm. a written query. Right. And truthfully, the, everything that I've had published was written or somebody asked me to write it. True. Well, I had kind of the opposite experience. I've you know sent out a lot of written queries, but... Um, my book was picked up because I had a face-to-face uh, sit-down thing at a conference with a, a publisher, and and that was the only way that it worked for me. And I I think it, it just depends. Being in the right place at the right time with the right person, it, it's all about that. It always is. And that's always a crap. It is, isn't it? So, But I, I think it can work, even for people like me. I hate 
I hate this whole process. I mean, I hate, <laughs> hate trying to boil things down into one line. I mean, you've worked for years trying to get the whole book done, and now you're trying to get it down into one line. How crazy is that? You know, it is <laughs> let's just go ever, there. Yeah. And, you know, even the query letter, I mean, it's just, it's so hard to do, and so hard to do it well. And it's, it's a special talent. It's almost like a special power or a special skill, you know, that not uh-huh. everybody does as well at it. So I think uh, a lot of it's just the luck of the draw. But you got to put yourself in the place in order to have the, the luck happen. You can't just wish for it. you got to show up. Yeah. This may sound crazy. And I wish, and in a way, I'm sorry that this current generation is living in the time that they are because they missed probably the greatest, in my opinion anyway, presentation book on how to pitch tv guide (laughs) and and if you're cracking up at home uh perfect um if you're cracking up at home honestly what they would tv guide used to do and in a way you can see this in the cable on cable with a little brief description of a tell of a television show that's what tv guide was it literally gave you an entire television show in a sentence or two so you knew what you were going to look at. It was a perfect example. And sometimes and hilariously... Oh, incorrect. <laughs> oh, and I, my favorite one was actually correct, but anyone that read it thought, that can't be true! It was an episode of Star Trek, and it said where uh, uh, Spock goes into a wild mating, mating frenzy and oh. kills Kirk, which is technically exactly what happened in that episode. Um, another thing to do, take a look at any book that's out there. I don't care. Just walk down your local um, bookstore, grab a book, and turn to the back. On the back is usually the pitch, or part of the pitch that was actually used. Not always, but mostly. Also, too, there are query letters online that you can look at that were successful. One um, is by a friend of ours, Angie Fox, and it can be found at Book Book Ends. Literacy, I'm sorry, (laughs) wrong, bookendslitagency.blogspot.com, and I'll let you just look for it from there, because I'm not going to read the rest of the... You can actually just Google uh, Query Letter Angie Fox, and it'll pop up. And uh, maybe you could arrange to have this linked on the Facebook page? Well, I could, but I don't normally because I'm usually doing this at last minute. Facebook page is fascinating right yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say, if um, we're looking ahead. at pitching examples, like examples of what kind of uh, structure and language to use then, um, TV Guide being one, mm-hmm. IMDB or Netflix blurbs mm-hmm. or Good back ones. of the book blurbs, movie poster taglines, uh-huh. just taglines for things. Those are amazing. All like good. common law. They are very good. Examples. Everything you just mentioned, all good. Yes. And Check uh, them out, use them, abuse them, steal them. There is also, I remember when Sarah Rees Brennan, author, um, got her first book picked up by an agent, her agent used her query letter as an example of what to do. And in a blog post, broke down, like, posted her query letter and went sentence by sentence why these things grabbed her, why these things were successful, mm-hmm. what made her keep going. But Which if is, you it happens it, a little bit in the Angie Fox one he just mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but if the agent had or hadn't been looking for a book that was similar to that, it well, still no, wouldn't it was, have done any it good. It was tailored yeah. to the agent, but yeah. the agent was saying just in the language of the query letter, this is what grabbed me, this mm-hmm. is what to do. And for those out there who are... They're new new authors, lack of a better way of saying this. Even if you've been writing for a long time, you just haven't gotten your first book published. 
if you think that, oh, great, I can pitch once, I get a book done, and I'm good to go, and I don't ever have to pitch again, I'm sorry. Unless you're James Patterson, and I won't guarantee he doesn't have to pitch ever so often, or Stephen King and so forth. You're, a lot of a lot of well-known authors still have to repitch stories, or especially if they go down to brand new. Actually, you're hitting right on it. Um, so when you get your awesome book deal and you're up with your awesome agent, that's great. You're going to get that book deal. It's going to be fun. Um, but the next book you write, you're going to have to write up the whole sample. You're going to have to write up the whole like pitch and everything, send it to your agent. The two of you are going to work on that pitch and then the agent's going to take it and pitch it to all the publishers and everything like that so this process never ends it just keeps refining in different ways also too if you are a self-published author and you're thinking oh i don't have to worry about pitching at all not at all not me you gotta put something on the back of your book and you've got to put something on amazon or barnes and noble or both and and so forth that's still a pitch everybody technically it's the same air in your salem yeah yeah and i'm no matter who you are or how you got it, your book out, you're going to have to sell it to people. Exactly. You Whether it's readers, whether it's blog owners who are going to write a review about it, whether it's on Goodreads, you're trying to get people interested in adding it to their list, whether it's to the guy next to you who says, oh, so you're an author, you're going to have to sell your book to somebody. So it's exactly. good to have this pre-written pitch query example in your brain already. Might as well. Well, I, I know one of the things that I've seen two different points of view on is whether you should pitch if your book isn't finished. And I know for the longest time, no. you know, it was like, definitely don't. You know, your book has to be completely finished. But, you know, I've been seeing other things like, well, you, you can kind of do um, intro to an agent or a publisher and spend some time with them that it's really your time that you have. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to throw that out to see what other people thought about that concept, that it was really just your time with an agent or publisher. Um, well, as somebody who's taken pitches, uh, I don't care. So if, you're, <laughs> if you ever see me anywhere at a conference or anything like that, if you know it's not finished, you can totally talk to me. However, um, it, it, is a, it is a two-sided you know, thing. Uh, some agents hate it, and other agents don't mind. Um, the point is, is that no matter what you do, you have a, a limited time. So first off, you have to tell them that it's not done. Uh, do not try and pitch me something that you're saying is finished, and then I'm going to ask you for it, and you say, well, can you wait six months? Um, not not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, so definitely tell me that you know it's not done. But more importantly than that, you only have a few months after that to where you're going to be in my brain, and I'm going to remember you, and... Most agents, are the, most agents are probably going to be the same way. They might even have a shorter time window than I do, or a longer one. Who knows? But the point is, is that your f- name and your face are going along with this book, and you're trying to capitalize on that. So what you really want to have is the agent that you're talking to at, at this conference who says, this sounds awesome. Send it to me right now. I'm going to read it tonight. And they go up into their hotel room, and they read it that night. You know, that's a great way. Or maybe they read it that next week and get back to you. The point is, is that you really want to capitalize on that moment. Uh, you can take more time afterwards, um, but like I said, if, if it's longer than a few months, uh, that, that's not good. Exactly. In, in a way, to use a literary segue, if you've been, if you pitch and the agent says, or the editor says, hey, I'm interested in that, here's my email address. You've just been handed the proverbial special chocolate bar out of Willy Wonka 
from Willy Wonka. The golden ticket. ticket. You've got your golden ticket. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that was a tournament in my mind. I was like, no, I don't want to debate that in my head. You've got your golden ticket. <laughs> and you better use it or you're going to lose it. And you have to redo everything again. Run home, Charlie. Yes. <laughs> Run home and don't stop till you get there because you're going to get mobbed by a bunch of grown men. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to grab the ticket out of your hand. That's not what happened in the book. But That's what happened in the movie. Yeah. I always thought that was really scary as a kid was that all these people were like going to knock that kid over to get that ticket. Anyway, go ahead, Fedora. Well, I think there are three keys to having a good pitch. And we've talked a lot about two of them. One is your story got to be bold, it's got to be beautiful, it's got to be out there, it's got to be first. And we're talking, of course, about ourselves and making a good impression, a business-like impression so that your editor agent would want to deal with you in the future and for a long term, we hope. There is one more thing that most, I think, are going to want, and that is characters that they're going to be able to love, hate, identify with, at any rate, be special. And so... You need to be prepared to talk about your protagonist, your villains, and make them amazing so that there are no other characters out there really like them. They are different from everybody else and very special. Couldn't agree more. I agree. In fact, I know as a table here, we pick on Twilight quite a lot. (laughs) And I'm not going to say it's not deserved, okay? But I'm going to say, how often do we say sparkly vampire? Memorable. It's very, very, very memorable. That's a good example of characters. It is unexpected. It is unexpected. Because it is wrong. And And Kathleen for the thrust. (laughs) We'll make a... We'll also make the point that Twilight, as we pick on it, has sold more books than we could ever dream. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. It's the best. There's a, of jealousy. So yeah. There's a lot of envy going on, and we will all admit that we don't understand why... Stephanie, we love you. Why Twilight, that we don't particular... That we see all of these these tri- you know tropes and cliches in. Well, someone saw potential, and they were right. They, they accepted that. Uh, that book is a contract, and Stephanie has certainly benefited from it. She loves her world as much as we love our world, so... And we're all just true blood fans. Truce. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't want to go ahead and go with something here mm-hmm. that you would make me think about. You pitch your book, it gets rejected. Either at the pitch, or it gets rejected yeah. later on. And I will say, I'm going to warn everybody ahead of time, there are some agents out there who really, they want you to pitch to them, but they don't want to reject you face-to-face, so they'll give you their email anyway and they reject you later. It's a false golden ticket. It's a false golden ticket. But it happens. But It's a brass ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Led to gold. Good job. Okay. Anyway. I like it. Um, but where I was going with this is a lot of books that have been very successful have gone through a lot of rejections. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it may not fit that agent at that time. That agent may have not been able to see the potential into it. That agent may have been half sick at the time they listened to you. Just because you get rejected doesn't mean to quit. Go back and look at your pitch, just like you would go back and look at your novel, and rework it. Yeah, every agent's got the one that got away. And they'll tell you about it, because they know about it. <laughs> um, but the other thing is is that uh, rejection, and it's a big thing to mention, uh, and we've talked about this before, but rejection is never about you. Uh, and it's never about your book. Um, it's about the fact that whatever stars are meant to align, 
in terms of what someone's looking for at, an, at a house or a publishing house or even an agent uh, and what they're looking for and you not matching it or any of the things along that. But it's never about the fact that, you know, you're horrible or, you know, you stank or something weird like that. Rejection is about fit. Yes, Whether exactly. it fits with right. wherever it's being sent to. And um, I you was thinking... You just can't take it personally. Yeah. I was thinking about what you said, uh, David, about... Or was it Brad? The one that got away? Every agent has one of those? Yeah, yes. Brad said that term. Brad yeah. said that. Okay. So, yeah. Madeline Lingle, Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. 42 agent publisher peoples. Look at JK. The one that got away. I'm, every single publishing house practically turned her down. And now you know they're all just kicking themselves in the butt for not having Harry Potter. The first Dr. Seuss book was uh, turned out, I think, something like 57 times. Exactly. Oh, it's even more than Wrinkle. Wow. Yeah. He, that was back in the day when you actually walked into the publisher with your manuscript in hand. And so they literally, he would walk up and say, I have a children's book. And they're like, that's nice, get out. Oh. So he just walked, he walked through the door something like 57 times. Oh. I'm saying 57 because it sounds right in my head. I might be wrong. I don't know. But the point is that... A lot of times. A lot of times. You know, at least in up in the upper, you know, closer to past 100, you know, like halfway to 100. So. Yeah. That was a lot of words to get that out. Places he <laughs> and it happens with. By the way, a lot of times we're here to talking about books, scripts <laughs> also go through the same process. Yes, mm-hmm. I was going to rejected. I was going to ask about that. Um, I, I've heard of Hollywood pitch sessions where, uh-huh. like, yep. you just try and you pitch your book, combine things, you pitch like your movie. fifty different you pitch your script. Like this meets this. Yes. This meets this. This famous thing meets this famous and thing. It's a Hollywood version that's bled down to the book version. Okay. You know what's kind of frustrating about the Hollywood version? You sell your script. You might even get paid lots of money. Then nothing ever happens to it. That's yeah. also possible. Well, that's because they're buying the With rights. They're optioning. Too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that, that, that happens your, so often. Your advance they sell your and rights, yeah. You get to keep that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if they never publish it, that's all there is. Yep. <laughs> so. and it's much the same way, though, just in case you do have a script out there. Uh, there are movie production companies that you can send your script off to. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a whole process for this, so I highly recommend you Google it and you learn about it and you join that process. Is it different for script writing if you need to have the script written ahead of time when you're pitching or no? Uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Everyone kind of wants it done because of two reasons. First off, a lot of things get started that don't get finished. So why why buy something or why invest in something that isn't going to get finished because the author is going to drop it. So you want that finished product because you know that the author had the wherewithal to go through it till the end. And then the other thing is is that generally you want it now. I'm looking for now, you know. And when I'm, I should doesn't mean I might be looking for next year. I might be looking for there. But what I'm looking for at a conference, I generally know, and I'm looking for that there. I'm not looking for it six weeks from now, you know, or something like that. I I haven't, you know. This is window, America. and I'm interested. We want it now. Exactly. <laughs> it might not Strike. come out for a year or so. But. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. I have a few just kind of nitpicky things that will make it easier, I think, for a lot of people Please. to pitch. First, you're going to be nervous going in. Mm-hmm. A way to try to get rid of some of that is to grab onto the seat of your chair, hang onto it, and let some of your energy flow down your arm so that it doesn't come out in all kinds of quiggles in your butt. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Two, don't wear lots of perfume and aftershave 
because they're going to be going, mm, swishing back as far as they possibly can from you. So simply don't do it. And, and if I one can. more. Oh, yeah, actually, 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 I love that you did that. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to let you take over back to it. Okay. Also, too, being somebody who suffers from breathing issues, if you wear a lot of perfume or a lot of aftershave and the person is an asthmatic that you're going to pre- pitch to, you will be remembered for the wrong reason. Oh, you're the one who made me go grab my inhaler or go to the hospital. Another thing, if you have animals, make sure to be as dander-free mm. as possible. Very good, too. Get rid of that cat. Yeah. yeah, well, you're not killing your agent. Good what point. other things can you do? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now for the number three from number Fedora. Three. Number three is to look as though you want to be there and you want to talk to this person. A couple of ways to go about that. Don't cross your arms as David is doing right now because that's shutting them out. Do keep your chin up to about their level and not tuck down so that you look as though you're ashamed to be there. Don't stare at your your crotch. (laughs) (laughs) And lean just a trifle forward because that certainly looks as though you're interested in what the person is saying. And a lot all of, good advice. Very good, all very good advice. And in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it's a similar body positions to a first date, or a job interview, or a job interview. <laughs> exactly. Job interview more exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is very an agent to like a, a marriage. I want to marry you. Here is why you should marry me back. Pitch. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. Wow. <laughs> Please tell me about your book and not why I should publish your book. Yes. Because, to be honest, there are very personal reasons why I'm going to publish your book. It's pretty much simple. I really like it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's why. I think it's got legs. You know, yeah. I think people are, I think other people are going to like this book. But what I really don't need is you going, this is the best book ever and you're going to love it because. Is this a hard or sell? Wor- or worse. Oh my I need you to really publish yeah. this book because it's like it, I'm on my last dime and I've spent my money to be here just to pitch to you. Let me tell you my no sob pity. story. Yes. Pity does It has work. nothing to do with the tell book. Tell me about the book because yeah. that's what I care about. Only yeah. say the sob story if you've written a memoir. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what the book's about. Yeah. Tell the sob story. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're pitching a memoir and that's a sob story, go with it. If it's not a memoir, maybe not. So what are some other things you don't want to do? Oh, how would you handle, for example... Um, Oh, let's see. There are certain groups that are underrepresented in the publishing industry. So speaking of that, so let's say you have a book with a different point of view than the publisher, and you think this view is un- underrepresented. I'm just pulling out things, but you have you uh, you have a book based on your own background, your own ethnic background, or your own minority experience, whatever that you know for sure because you've done your research is very different. How would you sell that saying, this is an underrepresented market, without saying, this is why you should publish? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up, it may be a touchy topic, I guess, but the I wanted to bring up John Oliver. When um, John Oliver was on The Daily Show, he now has a show called Last Week Tonight on HBO. It's okay. brilliant. He, every Sunday, gives uh, a few news stories, but mostly it's um, more directed Full stories. It's not just, oh, this happened, zinger. So he covered Ferguson um, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And what he did brilliantly was he made it applicable to everyone. You did not have to be 
a black person living in Ferguson, Missouri. You did not have to be a black person. You did not have to like police or hate police or anything else. He made it applicable to anyone in America who has any interaction or can have any interaction with police officers, period. And he did that by explaining why the police force in general, having the technology it does, the military-grade technology, is a danger to people. He made it accessible to everyone. And he made it funny. I think you kind of need to do the same thing when it's a minority group. You need to make it accessible not just to people in that minority group. So are you saying to do this in your pitch or in yes. your work? In your pitch. In your pitch. In everything. Because when it's, when it's actually in your work, chances are you're going to be doing that anyway. You're going to want characters that people can identify with and can love. So that's more taken care of. With the pitch, you need to explain why this is accessible to a wider audience. To be honest, that's like gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's, you know, and I, I don't mean that literally as in everyone should run out and find their minority and write about it. No, um, we will I, hurt you. We will yeah, hurt you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we what will I, tell you you did it wrong. Exactly. So what I, what I mean by that is, is that's something that stands out. That's something that sets your character apart from other characters out there. What's going to set your story differently than other stories out there. Being that kind of memorable is exactly what you want to be. So even if your character isn't a minority or doesn't fall, but they fall into a minority category of some kind, you know, um, that that's actually a wonderful thing to bring up. You like you take the example of uh, uh, how to train my how to train your dragon, mm-hmm. a great and wonderful tale in of itself is amazing and beautiful. Yet there's this little layer that gets laid on. Um, that it's all about, you know, being handicapped and overcoming that and having all these adversities that you have to overcome and using prosthetics to do so and moving on. That is beautiful and makes the story rich and full and just amazing. And to be honest, what would sell that story to me, not necessarily over the dragons and the awesome Vikingness, um, would be that layer. So find that layer in your story and, and use it. Jen, you were next. Well, I was going to ask Kathleen a question. Oh. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. Kathleen writes uh, uh, L- LGBT fiction under a pen name, mm-hmm. have you pitched a story with these themes before, and how did you go about it? I have not been to a pitching session, no. Mm-hmm. I am new to those things. Um, and the publisher I publish with is, um, they're looking specifically for LGBT stories, so... For me, it was more a matter of what makes these characters distinct, what makes their story distinct. And not stereotypes. Yes. Right. And um, I think that's true for a lot. Like, everybody wants to identify in some way with the story they're reading, to experience it in some way. And I think any good character is going to have some element of every man, I guess, and some element of unique that makes you feel like that character. Like, with Hiccup, everyone has felt... And, and had trained your dragon. Yeah. Sure, everyone has felt like an outcast or like they were just so different from everybody around them. And that is Hiccup. He is brilliant. He sees things in a visionary way that no one else really understands. And yet he's the one that nobody really sees as strong or sees as worthy in his culture. Everybody kind of feels like that sometimes. Oh, yeah. Most certainly. And that's so, what makes it great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a few tips uh, that you can use in your uh, when you pitch. And these are t- uh, honed off of things that I've seen done myself or a ton of other things. So the first off, we kind of touched on these, is don't use up all your time. 
fact, don't use up less than, try and use less than half your time because the real point is, is not that you selling your book, but it's the questions and answer session that you have with the agent or editor about your book because that's where all the greatness is going to come in. What happens in that section? Because we have talked about pitches, but what happens in the Q&A? What kind so of stuff do people Actually, that's, that's, that's the best part, especially for me when I'm sitting on, actually, no matter what side I'm sitting on of the table. Um, and the reason being is that I like in, I like that interaction. First off, um, an agent's going to ask questions that they are thinking about. So they're going to ask you questions about the character, or the story, or the plot, or the villains, or the you know what happens, and all that kind of stuff, which then allows you to go in deeper and talk about the cooler stuff of your book, more so than just the few things you could do in a pitch. Um, and then if you're on the other side, for you. It's a chance to use all that stuff that you know, because you only have this little area of your book that you're putting out, you know, the main plot, the main character. But, you know, what if you have some really cool thing, and this cool minor character, a cool villain that you want to talk about? It's a great time to bring that up. So if we were doing um, the film How to Train Your Dragon, what kind of questions would you get after the pitch then? Well, I might talk to you about why you wrote it. I might talk to you about how you know about Vikings and dragons. Um, we might talk, in fact, especially about all the different types of dragons. You might tell me that... You know, you don't just have one kind of dragon. You've got all these various types of dragons that the kids have to learn about. That they go to school with them or something, you know. Those are the kinds of things that you get into that won't be in your pitch. It might be a word or two, you know, maybe just two words in your pitch. But now we get to talk about it. Now we get to spend like two minutes or a minute, a full minute, having a conversation about it. It's amazing. I think that's a good point that probably three minutes would be prepared so that you would be comfortable with what you're doing, but leave two minutes of your five-minute time period with exactly. questions and answers. And you often talk faster when you actually get in front of the agent. Right. Yeah. And yes. I guarantee that they're going to ask you a question that you weren't expecting. Yeah. They're so good at asking the one yes. question you didn't prepare for. Yes. That's oh, why uh, talking to other uh. people is good, because they can ask some of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, why did you do this, you know? The other thing is don't go too much into your backstory. Um, really keep it about your story, the actual plots and characters and things like that. Why you wrote it can be really amazing if it's a memoir, if it's fiction. Just stick with your characters. That's what that's what the agent, that's what an editor cares about. We do not need a case of the plots or backstory. No, you don't. don't and no. you don't have time for it. That's the problem. Don't yeah. backstory barf all over your agent. Right. Don't tell them about what you haven't written. Tell them about what you have. Yes. Kind of the same when you're introducing yourself. You keep it pretty, pretty specific yes. to what you've written in the genre. How do you go about that? Because you, you've mentioned when you first sit down with um, an agent or publisher to do the pitch, you say, you know, hi, thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here. And then what? how do you introduce yourself and your book together? I actually like the idea of you introducing yourself and your book and your genre all at the same time. And I don't mean literally like, hi, my name is Kathleen and this is what I write. You know, I, I mean it isn't like, you know, hi, I'm Brad Cook. I write steampunk. I'm here to talk to you today about The Iron Horseman, which is a 70,000-word young adult novel that I think is really cool. And then I go in to talk about Alexander and how awesome he is and the airships that are there and how his dad uh, was kidnapped and he's running off with a baron's daughter to go chase them. So you and there's do, my pitch. So you do go into some of the logistics of the story itself, like not the um, well, I might, just like you the know, word count that, stuff like that. Genre yeah, yeah. go give give me, and the reason for is that I'm identifying you, and I want to identify. You, I want to know what little area to slot you in. So I want to know if we're talking about a nonfiction book or a fiction book. If we're talking about what type of genre are we talking about, and that's all nice up front because then I know exactly what we're talking about, and I don't think you're talking about an urban paranormal 
that actually ends up being some crazy literary book that is actually nonfiction. And you've um, saved the agent a couple questions that they might have asked so they can exactly. ask deeper questions in the Q&A exactly. portion. Exactly. Okay. Any final questions or any final statements on pitching? I want to know about this Mary Poppins meets Doc Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Yes. Maybe I'll write it someday. I like it. And when can you get pages on my desk? <laughs> <laughs> well, not until I finish my work in progress. Apparently, oh, Jill's going to be a literary agency. <laughs> but do you know what? That so is exactly better. what you want the agent to say, is what Kathleen just said. So, when am I going to see this? Or Tell me more about this. Having business cards with you. Good idea. <laughs> Excellent idea. Yes. Very much so. Should you tailor them to the book you're pitching? And what happens if the agent's like, no, I don't want that one, but do you have anything else? Oh, good. Have that's another reason. Have something else ready. Yeah, no, no, yes. have, you know, have, the, have the something else ready to go. And that's the other reason to keep it le- to less time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so let's not. say you got a five-minute pitch. Be prepared after a minute yeah. and then have them say, Hey, uh, do you have something else I might be interested in? I'm not interested in your memoir, but I am interested in this strange Gilligan's Island story you have mentioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so there you go, the dark Gilligan Island. Yeah, yeah grim dark. And Island. on that note, everyone, I want to thank everyone for listening to The Right Pack, and join in next week for yet another interesting topic. The Right Pack would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis's newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Right Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.